I love being loved, and I love to love. Pardon? I've got some. Thank you. When you sang, there's an army rising up. Oh, I felt that strongly. That was so strong. Oh, my. You're right, Lisa. Because it is absolutely true. And you're, we're not on a picnic. We're in a war. And we know how it ends. We win. And so, you know, you can, you can lose a round or two, but you're going to win the fight. And thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is sober. It's, it's fun, but it's really sober. The Bible says to to uh, sober yourself up for your prayers. So uh, that, that had power in it. I believe tonight has power for us. I think there's going to be some changes made in how you think and how you live. I think there are going to be people that get jobs that don't have jobs. I think some of you are going to change. I think some are going to change your major. I think there's going to be some, something that comes forth tonight in the spirit. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you. Uh, that he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. Father, we pray that you would do your work tonight in our midst. I pray that you would speak beyond what I say, that your Holy Spirit would be stirring in hearts to make things real in our hearts and in our lives, to change the way we live, transform us, we pray, by the working of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Tonight, Anthony Hulsebus was supposed to be speaking, but he had an accident about uh, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, I guess. And uh, he was out skating, and he fell, and he got a concussion, and he's had some bleeding in his brain. And it was, it was more critical that it, he's out of ICU, resting up, can have visitors, can have people speaking to him. He's got to just have, have his mind... Uh, Relax. I want to stop and pray for him. <clears throat> I'd been with him the day before. I'd invited him, and we had lunch together with some pastors, uh, and we talked about uh, being together more often. And then this happened, and I, I think the enemy wants to take him out. I don't think he likes it. We're at a war. Uh, so we stand with him against the powers of darkness, and we pray blessing on Anthony tonight. We pray blessing and healing. Pray for a release from any pressure on his brain. We pray no side effects. We pray uh, full healing, full restoration, that he's better off for having gone through this than if he had not, that, that there's something added to him rather than being taken away. And your hand of blessing significantly upon him. Just a couple other things. Excuse me. Tomorrow night... We have the meeting of any who want to serve on the leadership team for what we're calling the Godtown Initiative, your GIs. And if you want to be on the leadership team, we have four now. Actually, there are four girls. We wouldn't mind getting a couple guys to be a part of this team. Uh, Karsten, uh, Karis, Lauren, and uh, Becca are on that leadership team. We need people who are helping to lead the charge. So... Uh, if there are guys that see that that's something you want to be a part of 
On Sunday, I'll be taking a group. We'll be meeting here at 1. Then we'll be going over a little before 2 to talk about planning a church in the Godtown area. We'll be at a house church. That'll be the first of what I literally think will be scores and scores. Mark my word. God will use this company and others like it to raise up many, many, a multitude of churches in the Twin Cities. <clears throat> ben, uh, who, had, uh, who, who led our worship often these last two or three years, he has taken a position at the church that Paul and Adriana McKenzie go to. Adriana is the worship leader. He's helping with worship leading. He's doing outreach and, and assisting the father of Adriana. So we won't be seeing as much of Ben, we bless him. I hope he can come back so we can bless him on his way because uh, that transition came rather quickly when the call came to him. So we're very grateful for uh, the time that he was with us. <coughs> so if Jesus were to show up tonight, the man Jesus, and uh, we see him... And we we think you know what what would he do where what would he do if he showed up? I'm thinking he might meet with some broken-hearted person in a side room, or he might do the dishes, or or and that would make some of us uncomfortable. Just like it made them uncomfortable when he washed feet, because this. The son, here's the son of God. And that made them uncomfortable. To, you, know, you shouldn't be doing it. Somebody else should be doing it. Peter said, I'm not going to do it. Somebody should be doing it. <laughs> Wouldn't that make you uncomfortable if you saw him in there doing the dishes? He, he's the son of God. But see, that's, that's what he did. He came not to be served. You'd expect somebody that important to be served. You'd just expect it. Somebody great. But he went lower than anybody else. Talking tonight about work, the dignity, the value. When Karen and I went to Japan in the 80s with two of our kids, I was so impressed with the Japanese. We'd pull into a gas station, and they would bow as we came by. Then they'd get right on the windows without us asking. They'd do the windows. And then they'd pump the gas. After they'd pump the gas, they'd, they'd take our money and bring back the change. As they brought back the change, they would bow. Then they went out to the curb because Japan is busy most places. They'd help us get back into the flow of traffic. And, of course, when the car drove by, what'd they do? Yeah. They gave you the sense that they wanted to serve you. I remember when we got on the plane uh, on Japanese airlines, Karen started to cry because of the service, the outlook of the people. We lost something. We had a mind to work. But I, the church where I was pastor in California, two of the elders who had businesses said it's hard to find anybody that wants to work anymore. Th something's changed. Now, there are hard workers but something has changed in America. Credit a war-torn country building itself up to an economic powerhouse to its attitude toward work. 
Now, they need to learn how to relax because they play checkers like they work in the law office. To win. But we need to learn how to work. And we've got, we've got symbols of it in our take it easy culture. Easy does it. And so I'm talking about work today. And I'm, uh, you can shoot the, that up on the screen if you want to. Eric, what if what you are doing on Monday is just as important as what you do on Sunday? What if the two hours you spend at church are invested in the 30 or 40 hours you spend in the workplace? Now, I understand maybe half or more. How many of you are students? How many of you are in the workplace? Okay, at least as many in the workplace. What if Sunday impacted Monday so much that Monday impacted Sunday? What if we saw no difference between full-time ministry and full-time work? Because there isn't any. What if people, instead of just talking about how they got this call from God to go into ministry, spoke of how they got this call from God to go into the marketplace, and it seemed just as important? What if we didn't overemphasize ministry and underemphasize the value of work? What if the people who spent five to eight hours a day with the same people were able to see that job as ministry and went to work with the goal of letting their light shine? Can you imagine what that army would be like? You've got five million people going to work and letting their light shine, and they're with the same people for five to eight hours. Is that going to be an impact? If we have a vision for our work and not just a vision for what we call full-time ministry, that is a myth. It is an unfortunate myth. And I'm going to dispel that, hopefully, tonight so that you that are in the workplace... You're in full-time ministry as much as I am. What if the workplace carried as much glamour as ministry? That's a good idea. So, here we go, okay? I'm going to talk about why do we work. First of all, we work... Because it's godly. If it's godly to work, it must be like God to work. Did God work? Does God work? God worked six days and then he took a rest. What did he do after that? Did he find a rocking chair and just back off? And do we have a distant deity who's waiting for it to to wind down so he can send his son back? He's a worker. The Bible calls him a manual labor. He said the heavens are the work of your hands. He's a worker. But when it came time to do the work of redemption, Isaiah 52 says he will lay bare his arm. What does that mean? He's rolling up his sleeves. He really had to get to work then. Jesus said, my father is working still. 
So Jesus is a worker because his father is a worker. How many of you would say that you really like to work? Credit that to God. It's like God to like to work because God is a worker. He likes to work. So if you like to work, God has put that desire in your heart. Second, Jesus worked. Before he went into the itinerant ministry, how long did he work? When did they start working? When did they become adults? 12, 13. He worked for 18 years. Then he did ministry for three years. That must say something about the Son of Man. It must say something about work. David became king at 30, but he sure worked hard before he got there. Joseph became king at 30. He sure worked. Jesus says we must work while it is still day. Night comes when no man can work. And he said, as night was approaching, he said, I've glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. Jesus was a worker. Isn't it interesting that when he comes back, you know what he's going to do? He's going to put us to work. He put us to work when he left, and he said, go for it. When we come back, those who have been responsible are rewarded with more work. Don't let that disappoint you. If you think you're going to go and soak in a jacuzzi, you know, you'll, you'll probably have some time to do that and some time to explore. I look forward. You know, hopefully, it says you'll have authority over 10 cities. That sounds, that sounds exciting to have that kind of responsibility in the new earth. Jesus is a worker. Paul was a worker. Read it with me. Yeah. Oh, do we have it? Do we, do we get it? Okay. Okay. He told the Ephesian elders, listen, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. Now, why did he do that? Because he didn't have to do that. He could have been like Peter, who, who received from the work he did for the people. He received pay. He was paid to do ministry. Why did Paul choose not to do it? He said, I want to give it away. So he did what we call, we call it tent making. He literally did tent making. <laughs> What did he do? He made tents. He fixed tents. And not only for himself, but for the people he worked with. Listen to this. You know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. That's incredible. That this greatest of all apostles, most influential man probably on the face of the earth other than Jesus, worked. 
And there was a dignity to his labor, and he did it not only for himself, but he's supporting other people rather than take money. I'm in the process of writing an article that uh, Larry Alberts and I are going to do together. The reason we're doing it is because we feel that there needs to be an option offered to people other than raising funds. I believe fully that God calls many to raise funds. My concern is that unless the young generation gets it like the older generation gets it, who have supported countless ministries, unless this generation gets it, the money is going to run out and young people are not going to have it. So there needs to be an option, and that option is tent making. That option is having a skill. I've shared with my children, get a skill, be able to do it, be able to support yourself. So Israel is trying to raise money by working because he wants to go to Africa and rather than ask for money he wants to make it it's okay to ask for money if you're called to ask for money that's legitimate and that's what the apostle Peter did and so way to go Peter but Paul gives us an option and we want to also make that a good option Paul worked he was a hard worker not because we do not have the right to such help but in order to make ourselves a model for you to follow. In other words, here's a model that you could try. He's teaching the value of work. The next reason, why, why, why do we work? Okay. Next one. Put it one more down. Why do we work? Because we were created to work. Did work come with a curse? Okay, it preceded. Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it, subdue it. God created a garden for man, then he made man for the garden, made man to till it. So before the curse, we were working. The curse upgraded the difficulty. It just became more difficult. We had work before. Will we have work in the new earth? I just said we will. Work gives us dignity. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. You know why else we work? We work to eat. There were saints in Thessalonica who started leaning on their hoes and their shovels because the Lord was returning. So let's get the word out. I'm speaking personal here. You know what Paul said? You don't work, you don't eat. (laughs) Hey, try that in the American public scene. Run on that one for office. We We have demoralized people by giving them the freedom not to work. Work gives dignity. It's not your identity, but it gives you value. I'm sorry. I made up 30 of these, figuring that some of you (laughs) like to take notes. And uh, if if you want them, here are the outlines. If you want to share with somebody else, you can. If some don't like to look, they like to look at the speaker. Why else do we work? We work... 
to help others. You may think that the main reason you're working is to pay off your debt. That's a good reason. You know what the Bible says you're working? So you can help other people. We had a man at our church. His name was Henry. He was a custodian for 30 years. Hard to find somebody more kind. He lived in what you would call a shack. He made very little money. You know what he did with his money? He gave it to people who are more needy than he was. He got it right. When Christians who are capitalists find out that they're not to hoard their money, then we will support missions like never before. There are three outlooks with regard to money. Toddlers and thieves say what's yours is mine. Capitalists say what is mine is mine. And most of the body of Christ, the average that Christians give is less, way less than 5%. It's even under the standard of the Old Testament of the time. That's the average. So they don't get it. So they think what's theirs is theirs. Christians say what is mine is yours. If you need it, it is yours. That's where to live. And so Paul says so powerfully, in all things I have shown you that by so toiling, if you have it, read it with me, that by so toiling one must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Why did Paul work? He, to support himself, to raise funds for people that were around him and to give away to those who were needy. That's Paul, the apostle. He's working day and night. Wow. And listen to this wonderful promise. God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance. Listen to this. So that you all may always have enough. That's good. And may provide in abundance abundance for every good work. Don't wait till you have a lot or you may not do it. I pray that you start being generous now while you don't have a lot. Because if you get in the routine of it, like Mike Bickle did, you're going to have thousands, multiplied thousands, just running through you and on to others. If you act as a conduit, God will give it to you because he can run it through you. But if you ask, act like a lake like the Dead Sea especially, and it, you hoard it, you take it in, he won't give it to you, and you probably won't give it out, and you won't see the blessing of God on your life. I know people, Karen and I know a couple that work to give. Your friend, Japanese friend in Elk River. I asked him how much they've given away, and I think they said their goal was to give away a million dollars. They're not rich. But they, give, they just have done it every year. They give away so much. That's their goal. They love to give. Isn't that a wonderful thing? To work, to give it away. That's what we're doing. God blesses us so that we can bless other people. And as we get that, that's what work can do for you. It can give you freedom 
so that you're not a capitalist and trying to look for more toys, but you're looking for more blessings so that you can bless more people. We work to grow. Work teaches us Christ-like living. Jesus said that whoever would be great, let him be servant of all. I want to learn how to serve. When, when we got on the plane and saw these people in their very attitude, they were servants. They were humble. You could tell it in their demeanor. Can't you tell some in the, somebody's demeanor, I'm not going to serve you. What are you here for? You know, I, I was at Home Depot, and I said, how is it that you guys serve so well? And he said, we're rated. Every store is rated. We get a number. We, we, they, they have responses, surveys that come back. And it's very difficult for a big Home Depot to get a 10. That's what we're shooting for. Most of them get an 8. How are you guys doing? Well, we're doing pretty good. This was the one down in Minneapolis on, off Stinson. Because I, when I go there, I find people, it's easy to find people that want to serve you. So they've built that in. I want this built in to our outlook. We're here to serve. We're here to, if we need to clean up, that's the highlight. That's the biggest thing. That's the most fun. That's the most important. That's where Jesus would be. So that's where I want to be. At that point, I don't want to be praying. I want to be working. I want to be doing this stuff, getting the job done, helping out, going low, serving. Because that's, it's like what Jesus would do. I love what uh, Dwight L. Moody wrote about this. He pointed out that the people God called We're at work. Listen to this. Saul was seeking his father's donkey, and David his father's sheep. The shepherds were feeding their flocks when they had their glorious revelation. God called the four apostles from their fishing, and Matthew from collecting taxes, Amos from the horsemen of Tekoa, Moses from keeping Jethro's sheep, Gideon from the threshing floor, Elisha from the plows. God never called a lazy man. God never encourages idleness and will not despise persons in the lowest employment. I hope that when we finish this message and pray for you, that there will be a dignity that God puts on you for whatever it is that you're working at and that you're doing it with all your heart because it's just as important as doing ministry. And one of the reasons why I'm preaching this message is because I saw many people who are overrating ministry and under, underrating work. As if there's this vast difference. I'm looking for my ministry. I'm, 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 it's coming. I'm looking. What, quit looking. It's, it's just as likely that you'll find it in the shop as in the sanctuary. And maybe more likely. So I'm going to say how we do work. And then I'm going to pray with you. We do it, first of all, with diligence. I was jogging out in California. We lived in San Pedro, and I was jogging down Western Avenue by a park. And there were a couple guys that were working, and I could not believe how slow they were going. And I said to myself, I don't think they're ever going to get done. I came back 20 minutes later, and they had progressed four feet. They were, they were weeding the area. It made me angry, but my anger then turned to pity as I thought they never learned how to work. No one ever taught them. They never got fathered. My father taught me how to work.
I love to work. If you know me, you know that I love to work. I was taught that. My father taught me. That's why I like to get some of you guys with me, and we just work together. Because I want to see if, if, if it's in your heart, if it's in your outlook, that work is so dignified, work is so wonderful, it's a privilege. Amen. I have a friend that, that uh, was really complaining about his work. Then he lost it. And then he realized, I should have been really thankful. So we need to learn diligence. Solomon wrote, whatever your hand finds to do, do it how? With all your might. If you're folding papers, fold them with all your might. The Apostle Paul spoke similar when he said, now I want you to listen to this because there's something really sacred about work. Whatever your task, work heartily. How? As serving the Lord, not as men. Do you hear what a high value he placed on work? That you're actually serving the Lord God when you work for some pagan. This is incredible. I believe that he was trying to help us to understand that if we catch this about the power of sacred work, we will drastically change the workplace. But man, we got a lot of Christians who just complain about my crummy job and the work conditions and the lousy boss and oh. <laughs> Let me tell you something. God hates grumbling. Finally, after 40 years, he said, I've had enough. You're not going. And what meant to, was meant to be a highway became their burial place. He said, you're not going in. You're not going into the promised land. So they never reached, and you picture that, they never reached their destiny because they didn't have a proper understanding of what it meant to to praise the Lord in all conditions. So we want to learn diligence. Successful people know how to work. They know how to get the job done. They don't, they don't mess because the, bo- the boss isn't around. Wait a minute, the boss is around. That's right. The boss is around. As serving the Lord, not as serving men. This isn't your ultimate boss. Your ultimate boss is checking you out. To see how you work. And if you're faithful in the very little. He will give you authority over ten cities. The very little. What does that look like at work? The very little. It means picking up papers when no one else sees. It means cleaning off the the bathroom cabinet. It means cleaning the toilet when no one else looks. It means doing the things that others are not willing to do. But you're willing to do because you're humble. You're not proud. You're not stuck up. You're not saying, well, I don't have to do this. This isn't my job description. But if you do it, somebody in heaven really is happy with your work, with diligence. Second, with responsibility. Listen to this. It's so powerful. Paul exhorted believers to do honest work. He told employers to serve their bosses with fear and trembling in singleness of heart as to Christ. I have never seen this before until I looked at these scriptures to see how much Paul recognized a calling 
of hard labor. And you look at the carpenter, something he was a stonemason, the word technon could mean that as much as carpenter. In any case, he worked hard for 18 years before he ever started praying for the sick. If your time hasn't come, neither did Jesus, neither did, neither did Paul's, neither did David's, neither did Joseph, or, yeah, Joseph. It doesn't take effort to cheat on an employer with time or efficiency. It, you can do it. And he may not see you, but heaven sees you. It's not worth it. I was so pleased to hear that Andrew's brother was recommended as the server of the year by his non-Christian boss. Are you here, Andrew? Where's Andrew? Andrew uh, Johansson. Okay. I said, how did that happen? He said, well, he just worked hard, came in early, stayed late, had the great attitude. His boss, who wasn't a Christian, said, I feel different when I'm around you. Isn't that something? And he said something more powerful than that. I can't remember, and I don't want to quote it, but it was something about God. I, I, I think he said something like, I feel the presence of God when I'm around you. Well, yes. If you carry the presence, somebody's going to feel it. If you are like God, if you are godly, they'll sense there's something different about this person. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want to be so different? Don't you want your light to shine? I get excited when I think of this. An army rising forth and working in the workplace. It's, it's just as holy as working at the church. And then you can have influence where we can't. Where some of us who don't get to where you get to go get excited about that if you learn to work responsibly. Work with thankfulness. What does TGF mean? It means thank God I'm functioning. <laughs> How do we work? We work with joy. Did God work with joy? When he, what, did he, what did he say when he got done on the sixth day? The sixth day? Very good. He was evaluating his work. And he's, this is very good. It's not good. It's really good. See, he, he was a worker. The heavens are the work of your hands. He was a, he was a common laborer. What are some liabilities? Working too hard. You can work too hard. He rested a day. When we were in Japan, there was a man that bragged. In 30 years, he had never taken one day off. I think he was working toward an early retirement. Not by choice, but by force. The other liability is working too little. Listen to me now. If there's anybody in here that's lazy, look out. You would not totem pull that sin and put it high on the list. But heaven does. I wouldn't use wicked and lazy in the same sentence, but Jesus did. To the man who didn't invest his stuff that Jesus had given him before he left, 
What did he call him? You wicked, lazy servant. If you're lazy, get off your bottom and learn how to work. Really, you need to do that. You have to learn how to work if you're going to be a member in good standing in the kingdom. Listen to some of these scriptures. If it's it's on here and you can read it, read it with me. The wisdom literature is very, very strong about these matters. He who is slack at his work is a brother to him who destroys. Did you know that one of the sins that Sodom was destroyed for was careless ease? They had it easy. Drew Shep, when he was uh, at a conference in Seattle, he said, Paul, you'd like this quote from one of the guys who said, a father should go to home tired at night. You men listen to this. It applies to women. Women work hard and they'll get tired. A dad comes home and he takes care of the kids. Then he sees how his wife is doing. Then he helps put them together. He prays for them. And he sees how his wife listens to his wife. When he goes to bed, he should be tired. I like that. It's okay to be tired when you go to bed. I think that's why you go to bed. (laughs) The prophets of Israel denounced the indolent. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. If you're at ease, I mean, if you're just into the games and into, into TV, into just watching, into entertaining yourself, Whoa! I'm not happy for you. I'm afraid for you. Deal with it. Working for self. After this man built bigger barns, he said, okay, now I can ease off. He said, he talked to himself. He said, soul, what does it say here? Soul, you have Ample goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Listen. If we had seen that, if the, if the church had seen it, if you had seen it, you might have said, way to go. You really worked hard, and now you can sit back and relax. Wouldn't someone in the church say that? God didn't call him a capitalist. He called him a fool. At 69, I'm looking for pastors who will not retire, but who will give their best years now to doing this stuff. And who will mentor, like, like you'd said, we need mentors. And some of those are really good mentors. And as, as long as we breathe, I think we should be working. We're not here for ourselves. I want to do a sermon called engineers, teachers, and other full-time workers. Because that's what... You're a full-time mechanic, you're a full-time minister. Man, you, I know you minister at work. I know you guys. I know you well enough to know that your, your light is shining <coughs> and you're rubbing off on people. So I want to pray for those who are in the workplace... And uh, before I do, I, I'd like you just to take a moment just to, just to let this settle in. There may be some business that you need to do. There may be some, uh, some repenting that you need to do. There may be some outlook that you've had that 
that is being corrected by the word of God. And so you need to do something. I sure do. Right before you do that, Paul, I just wanted to tell everyone, those of you that were not around last night when we were putting our grandkids to bed, you know, Paul, uh, you, to back up a couple paragraphs, you were talking about what men should do. They should be tired when they go to bed at night, when they're taking care of their children and asking what all their wives are. Is this good? Well, he did that uh, as we are raising all of our six children. You are a good example of that. And so if anybody wants to know, you know, someday how to do that, you just come and ask Paul because he's even doing that now with our grandkids. You you are you're doing really well. And of course also with mentoring and all. So um you know, this is not just spoken as Paul's speaking this, he's not just saying good this is what you should do, but he's done this. And uh, if you look around at our house, he's the one that is picking up papers and making sure, you know, all of you that live in our home know that. Wiping off counters, whatever needs to be done. Thank you, honey. He's there early in the morning till I wouldn't say uh, very late, but <laughs> <laughs> to some of you, to him, 10 o'clock is late. <laughs> but he's up early this morning. He's up at... Yeah, for New Year's. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I lasted. <laughs> he was up twelve thirty. I think he was up at four thirty this morning. But uh, Naomi and I had the kids, and we had to yell for help. <laughs> and we, I actually called on the phone. Whoever heard that this morning, help! We've got grandkids that are crying. <laughs> so thank you, Paul. Thank you. Hey, I like your haircut, honey. Oh. Let's let's uh, do business. Can you give us some background here? Um, I don't have to convince or convict. I just speak it out. The Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, then the Holy Spirit can tenderly and effectively bring home the truth. I've been convicted in the last couple of weeks as I've been focusing on scriptures about blamelessness. That I'm not blameless. I'm not, I'm not where God wants me. And so I, 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 I set that as a target and it encourages me to, this is where I'm going. This is what Jesus wants to make of me. And it says, you'll be perfect if you give up arguing and complaining. I'd like to do that. I'd like to give up those things. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you like to quit grumbling? Father, we are sorry. We are sorry where we have grumbled about our work. We are sorry where we have grumbled about workers. We are sorry where we have gossiped about other people. We are sorry where we have passed by a job that we should have done because someone else could do it. We are sorry when we didn't pick up the mess because it wasn't our job to do we want to have favor in heaven whether or not we have it on earth and so we want to live knowing that you see us 
and you see what we're doing, you see how we're doing it, you see what's in our heart, you, you see our motivation, you see the longings we have. And we want to be a blessing to companies like Daniel was a blessing to pagan monarchs who did not believe in his God and how kind he was to them. He wasn't disrespectful because they weren't like he was. But he honored them. Oh God, I bless my friends. If you're in the workplace, I want you to stand. Put your hand on someone next to you and I'm going to I'm going to pray that this becomes literally I believe that something is going to happen that's going to change both the atmosphere in this place and and the atmosphere in your workplace. I bless you with a dignity to work. I bless you with an attitude that is exemplary. I bless you with a freedom to let the Holy Spirit fill you so that on your way to work, it's like you're on your way to a conference. You're on the way to do ministry. You're on the way to bless your associates. You're on the way to think in such a way that their lives are changed just by your thinking and your silent prayer and that you would rather love people than complain about them. You would rather affirm them than antagonize them. And if they don't do their job, you're going to do yours all the more. You're not going to complain and sit back because they're not. That's going to make you work harder and work better. I bless you so that heaven looks down and sees what you're doing and how you're doing it and says, well done, good and faithful servant. You are doing just what I want you to do. I bless you. Bless you that you'll remember when you get up in the morning and get ready to go out. You'll remember what we talked about. And something will grab at your heart and say, I'm going for it. Today I'm going for it. I'm looking for miracles in the marketplace. I'm looking for things to happen that will bring divine connections. And I will start praying for the people at work. And I will believe that you'll make connections with me that heaven will, will close the deal on because God is with me at that workplace. And that I will take seriously that I carry the presence of the triune God in my very body. And that people, because I'm not complaining, they will begin to sense there's something different about this person. This person has changed. There's something different. He, she is different than the other people who work here. And it's the presence of God in you. Now, just let it settle in. Pray for the person next to you. If you're sitting, you want to pray for somebody, go ahead. We just, we, we want to just hold on now. Let it happen. Let it settle in. God's doing a changing. He's doing a transforming. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds, the Bible says. Your mind is being changed. The Word of God is tampering with your mind. And it's adjusting the way you think. And it's going to change your behavior. This is good. This is good. This is really good. Mm. Mm. Okay. Father, I pray for any who acknowledge in their heart, I'm lazy. I acknowledge that I'm lazy. That I'd rather not work. I'd rather have other people work for me. I'd rather 
I'd rather be at ease than work. I pray that you would uh, show them how foolish that is and bring them to a place where they find joy in hard work and getting sweaty and working for other people and serving. I pray that you would develop in our congregation an outlook of service, that we would have a culture of service and going low for other people. Lord, we can't make that happen, but you can. You know what it means not to be served, but to serve. And so let it happen in our community, a real atmosphere of serving. Thank you for those who do that well. Thank you. Let it happen here. Let it happen among us. Now join us, you who are sitting down, you who are uh, in the student field. We want to pray for you because that's a kind of work. So you stand as well now. And I pray for students that you would do your work as unto the Lord. One of my regrets is that I did not do that in college. And I pray that you will do much better than I did, that you will work as unto the Lord, that you will serve as unto the Lord. Is there a song that we can sing about, about going low or serving? What?
will worship you with all of my heart. For you are my Lord. You are my Lord. You are my Lord. More love, more power, more of you in my power more of you in my life and I will worship you with all of my heart and I will worship you with all of my strength and I will worship you with all of my strength for you are my Lord, you are my Lord. Amen. Deep, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of all if you want to be great in God's kingdom learn to be the servant of all learn to be the servant of all learn to be the servant of all want to be great in God's kingdom. Learn to be the servant of You didn't know that one. That was the Jesus People 70s song from amen. Calvary Chapel. I, I, yeah, amen. Amen. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, Any others? Any others? <laughs> Any others serve or work? <laughs> Hmm. Come on, you must know some now. What? Okay, here's what we're going to do. Turn to someone and pray with them. Groups of two or three. Remember, this becomes prayer time now. We'll have plenty of time to fellowship and enjoy one another. There's food upstairs. In a few minutes, we'll invite the newbies to come upstairs. But we want to turn this into prayer time rather than talk time. So find one or two other people and make it a time of prayer.